Welcome to the X-Men Test Podcast, The Batman Years. My name is Sonya Rappaport. My name is Willie Simpson. Today, Willie, we have Batman the Animated Series Season 3, Episodes 19 and 20, Legends of the Dark Knight and Girls' Night Out. A couple of fun later on Batman episodes. Some very unique Batman animated episodes, for sure. We also saw Madam Web. We'll, we'll discuss briefly. Yeah. <laughs> We're not going to spend the whole episode on Madam Web, but we'll share some thoughts. And then um, we also set up a donation page on Buy Me a Coffee. Um, we won't get into it every single week, but we've had some nice donations. We'd like to shout out some people who uh, wrote nice messages to us. Yeah, absolutely. And, and just shine a light on them. Um, first, would you dispense with the plugs, please? Sure. You can follow me on Twitter, Blue Sky Threads, at Willie Simpson. Join the X-Men Test Podcast Facebook or Reddit groups where you can interact with us and the rest of the audience. And last but not least, uh, if you enjoyed the show, please leave us five stars on iTunes. Again, we appreciate everyone who does just that. And as you mentioned, Sonia, we have a new Buy Me a Coffee website. Uh, we won't go into depth on this every single week, but no. since it's new, we just wanted to say, you know, if you're still listening and supporting, thank you so much. Um, if you can't or don't want to donate, that is absolutely 100% fine. This is mostly in response to people over the years asking us if there was a way that they could donate. Right. And we were lazy to set it up. And we finally <laughs> did. And we also very, very much appreciate anyone who does donate or has expressed that sentiment to us in the past. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you to everyone who does that. I mean, the show's been running now for six years. Uh, we've had over 350 episodes. We try our very best to put out an episode every week, regardless of how well we're feeling, if we're on vacation or not. Like, we, we we stick to a very rigorous schedule here. Right. And as you said, it is a passion project. So, you know, it's not like we're trying to make money. We have turned down advertising opportunities in the past because we just felt like, you know, it kind of ruins the experience of listening to a podcast, in our opinion. Yeah. Um, however, the server fees are adding up. Right. We put a lot of money into the show. Uh, expensive equipment, <laughs> microphones. So, uh, again, if you have donated or if you would like to donate, thank you so much. If you haven't or would not like to, thank you for listening. Yeah. Um, and I think you wanted to read a few of the messages that we got from people just because they were so nice. Right? right, yeah. So we got a bunch of donations in the first week. Um, we're extremely grateful. The first uh, donation came from Tom. I'm not going to use for uh, last names on uh, the podcast, but I will shout out people's first names. Tom said, uh, thanks for the pods and the New York City Pints. Tom is a friend of ours. He visited us a couple of times all the way from England. He's been on the show before. We love Tom. We're happy <laughs> that he still loves us and is engaged with the podcast, and we really appreciate his donation. Thank you so much, Tom. Tom, by the way, is an excellent follow on Instagram. Um, uh, if you want to search him out there, um, you'll have to be in the X-Men Test podcast, Facebook, or Reddit community to find him, but he is out there. Tom, you're great. Uh, the next uh, donation came from PJ. PJ is also an extreme longtime listener of the show. Uh, this is what he wrote. I found the pod in 2017, and, I, and that's the first year we started, unbelievably. And I appreciate all the hard work. It's nice to find a group of friends who love classic X-Men. Can't wait to see y'all's take on 97. Uh, this will be great. Can't wait to hear your take either, because I know like all so far, everyone who we've spoken about are like frequent contributors to the Facebook group. So love to read everything that you guys are watching and thinking about all this stuff as well. A hundred percent. Thank you, PJ. Uh, the next donation came from Dan. Um, I believe Dan is, so we have two uh, membership. You could just donate us, buy me a coffee, you know, like you choose the amount you want to give, like small amounts, it's fine. Or you could join our Professor X Bad Therapy Membership Club. And I believe Dan has thus far been the only, he's the inaugural member of the Professor X Bad Therapy uh, Club. Um, uh, very generous um, he wrote, uh, about Bloomin' Time, I love you guys. The show is very important to me. Monday night uh, bath time would be a delegation without you. Thanks, Dan. Aww. I believe Dan's another uh, a listener from England. 
Um, we love you too, Dan. Uh, you are one of our most uh, compassionate and uh, consistent followers. I, I get all your messages. I'm very touched every time you write something. You follow along with the show very closely. I know you, you've you bought Blu-rays. You, uh, you go see all the movies we see. <laughs> You're like right there on top of um, everything. Like, um, we're, we're on the same wavelength. We appreciate that. <laughs> yes. Thank you, Dan. Uh, the next uh, comes from Brian. In, uh, well, I'm not going to say where he's from. Um, Again, I'm trying to to not <laughs> preserve anonymity a little bit. Uh, but Brian's also a longtime member of the Facebook group. Uh, Willie and Sonia, thanks to both of you for the literal hundreds of hours of free entertainment you've given us over the years. It's been so much fun revisiting the various animated X Men series plus Batman tests as well with you guys. I'm glad. I'm so glad that we've nearly made it to the quote promised land together with X Men '97 just around the corner. Whether it turns out good or bad, or somewhere in between, at least we'll all get to experience it virtually together. Amen. Brian, amen, 100%, Sonia. <laughs> I mean, what a, that's exactly... Um, that's the point. The, the point entirely. Like, we're not, you know, we're here to just experience it. Like, you guys were just, as Sonia said earlier, this has been a passion project. We were just longtime fans. They're never... When we started the podcast, there was not an X-Men animated series podcast at all. I feel like there's probably a lot now. Um, but I we really looked, honestly. <laughs> I, I <laughs> occasionally I check. There's people out there doing it and, and more, more power to them. Maybe they're, they're probably more successful than us. Who's to say? But uh, we were there at the start. <laughs> <laughs> so and it is insane that like we have the timing is such that we're about to finish Batman and X-Men 97 of all things is going to be launching. Yeah, I know. In that less wasn't than a month. like a glimmer in our eyes when we started this. I know. It just seemed like a joke. To, when, when people were saying like initially there should be another season of X-Men, I said, yeah, right. There's just a, right. the I, last like, thing. Yeah, there should, but that's right. not going to happen. It's never going to happen. But so, now it is. Yeah, Brian, you've been here with us a very long time. We appreciate you. We love you too. Uh, thank you so much. And um, we got one more donation this week uh, from James Again, uh, X-Men Tass has easily become one of my favorite podcasts. I, I've really enjoyed going through the X-Men, Spider-Man, and Batman animated series again as an adult with the podcast to accompany it. I have no idea how you balance the normal working life and manage to get an episode out every week for so long, all for free. I wouldn't have I wouldn't have lasted a month. Uh, Willie and Sonia have given us years of great listening fun. Thank you. Thank you, James. Yes, thank you. Thank you all. Thanks to everyone. J- my my J- heart is warmed. Yeah, it's hard <laughs> even reading these things because I get so embarrassed uh, reading people such nice messages. Um, James, you're right. I mean, like, it has been very, it's, has it been hard doing the podcast every week? Not really, but it there adds up. There have been, like, select weeks where it was hard. Yeah. F- like, if we were sick or traveling. Right. Or I mean, whatever, I broke my ankle. And yeah. <laughs> like, You've done a few solo ones because, like, I just couldn't make it or right. whatever. There have been some extenuating circumstances. But generally, it's a joy. It's totally a joy to do. It's a lot of fun. I mean, it is, um, you know, it, it's just like, I think, like, we're at the stage where uh, we have this donation page up. Just simply because it's been years and years. I mean, it just does add up, you know, so. I think we also didn't realize the scope of what we were going to do when we started. We thought like, oh, you know, we'll do X-Men tasks and that'll be it. Right. In which case, you know, we would have been done years ago. Yeah. And then I was like, hey, but did the X-Men appear in Spider-Man? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Just keep it rolling. Yeah. And now with the episodes we're going to talk about today, like there's crossovers with the Superman cartoon and it's kind of been... Um, a fantasy of mine to carry on with Superman one day, perhaps. And, you know, this donation page thing, too, is like another, it's a motivator for us to, like, to keep it going as opposed to wrapping it all up. So, um, mm-hmm. again, we appreciate everyone who has donated, everyone who's thinking about donating, and everyone who doesn't donate and just listens and enjoys it. Like, it's all, you're all on the same level, and 
we love everybody and we're kind of a little overwhelmed this week after we did it. So um, we'll talk about it uh, perhaps more in the future if more donations roll in. Um, yeah, we'll keep giving shout outs along the way. Yes. Um, but yes, thank you everyone who is here. Thank you so much. Thing. All right. So yeah, let's get down to business. Uh-huh. We saw Madam Webb. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> there's quite the there's a little bit of a hot debate about it on the X-Men Test podcast Facebook group for sure uh-huh. uh, you know oh, I'm I, such a bad Facebook user I haven't caught up on that that's yet. okay yeah you don't really use Facebook anyway so if, if you guys are looking for Sonya on Facebook it's nothing personal she just doesn't use it as much I anymore. catch up every once in a while but um, but I, I honestly only ever check it to look at our, right. <laughs> our community of people out there, that, that is like the one bright spot in the void that is Facebook to me. Well, that's fine. I'm all over Facebook, so I see what everyone's posting. Um, you know, there was some debate uh, uh, about, like, is the criticism for this movie, is a lot of it rooted in misogyny? That was one aspect of the debate being held. Mm-hmm. Uh, people, you know, were rightfully saying the movie is bad. Other people saying, actually, it's not so bad. I kind of enjoyed it, you know? Mm-hmm. So let us... Let's just like jump right to it. Did you enjoy Madam Web, Sonia? I went in with very low expectations. That trailer looked terrible. Yeah. Dakota Johnson is a bad actress. <laughs> <laughs> I think However, so too. Because we did, like, I, the only reason we did see it is because uh, the, the extremely much more famous podcast, How Did This Get Made, which is a funny comedy podcast. Uh, that uh, does a lot of bad movies. They did Fifty Shades of Grey last week. Uh-huh. And I love that podcast. I was like, I've never seen Fifty Shades of Grey. It's on and HBO. It, was, it made like half a billion dollars in right. the box office. We were like, all right, they got to have something going yeah. on. <laughs> <laughs> we're two young, bored adults. Like, let's go watch Fifty Shades of Grey. And it was hilarious to watch that movie. That was one of the worst movies I've ever seen. <laughs> and it was a, I thought it was a great bad movie. Like, truly. I didn't even think it was a great bad movie. I just thought it was bad. I, I was I had to like turn away and cringe at several moments during that. Movie. I thoroughly enjoyed myself. I can't wait to watch the next two sequels to that movie oh as well um, to follow along with the How Does This Get Made podcast. But anyway, so I was like, oh shit! Like Dakota Johnson's hilarious. <laughs> She's <laughs> totally insane. Like super nepo baby, daughter of Melanie Griffith and uh, who's her dad? Um, her dad's escaping me, Don but Johnson. Don Johnson, right? Yeah, there you go. Uh, it's in the last name. Um, she there's something about Dakota Johnson that's really funny. She's kind of to me. She's like becoming like the queen of you know cringe or bad movies or whatever and i'm here to celebrate it uh, she's so, so monotone everything she says is so monotone yeah <laughs> you were doing some hilarious impressions of her as we were watching these movies <laughs> well anyway uh, all that said like my expectations were at rock bottom but that's why we went to see madam Webb. is the point we saw 50 shades of gray and it's like oh man this is gonna be fun and it was fun. Uh, yeah, from that standpoint, I enjoyed myself. <laughs> from being now an, a massive Dakota Johnson fan. Uh, I liked it a lot more than I liked Fifty Shades of Grey. Oh, I mean, that's it, interesting. It was bad. Like, <laughs> the script was bad. The acting was bad. Like, the line delivery was was bad. But it was it, it did fall squarely into the category of so bad it's good. I, for me, it did too. Uh, there's a lot of debate about that too. Some people think like, oh, no, it's not so bad. It's good. It's just bad. No, I, 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 so bad I had a good time. I had fun. Yeah. I, like knowing it's not good, I still had fun. You know, it's a it's the worst Sony. Everyone knows what a Sony movie is. Mm-hmm. Like they have a certain schlocky, uh, by the numbers way they make films. Uh, some are better than others. You know, I mean, this it doesn't just extend to their superhero movies. It's like Adam Sandler movies are like this too. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it, you know, sometimes <laughs> like this is like 
all the the worst efforts of Sony like uh, boiled down to its essence. And in that way, I felt like something I enjoyed about the movie is it did feel like warm and comforting in the sense of like this is all this bullshit for years, this bad type of movie making that I'm so familiar with. Like it, it's just it's it's like going home in some weird way <laughs> to this like strange in-house Sony style. And it's so mysterious because there were so many good actors in this movie. Oh, yeah. too That we've seen in like a lot of other things and loved Adam Scott. Right. Is he's ben. great. Yeah. I mean, him just being in the, it, on some level, he's a he's a trickster. You yeah, know, I know. <laughs> he's a really funny, ar- aware, like, ironic comedian. And exactly. Comedian he would have gotten into this as like a joke, like he knew it was going to be a bad movie, perhaps, and like decided to sign on. anyway. I don't really think that was who knows what his motivation not, was. But not, like but. it comes, you know, in a way, I think he comes off as a, a victor in just a fun way. Uh, you know, there's something about Adam Scott. Too. I mean, just beyond his characters and Parks and Rec, and uh, you know he's now in Severance, that like serious Apple show, which uh-huh. is kind of like a disturbing tragic comedy or whatever, like sci-fi type show. He's, I mean, like you see him in um, Step Brothers too, where he plays one of the Step Brothers. <laughs> he's yeah. just like such a like um, a shit heel in that movie. And like it, 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 I don't know his his movie presence is funny, and and he's a great presence in general like oh party down is the thing i was thinking about too yeah. like, how gritty is in that yeah this is like the type of movie if party down was real that that character in the show would get <laughs> he's like a struggling caterer <laughs> he's trying to That's break right. it into hollywood and <laughs> he gets the part of young uncle ben in a spider-man fake prequel right type movie. and he talks to his like catering co-workers about it right yeah so. <laughs> it's a huge bomb it's the most embarrassing movie ever made oh man emma roberts plays his sister oh Peter she's Parker's another mother. one of your favorites right Oh boy, <laughs> Emma Roberts. <laughs> she doesn't have like a huge part in this, but in general, I think her acting is very similar to Dakota Johnson's acting. So I'm not surprised that the same casting director would choose both of them. Yeah, um, another Nepo baby, by the way. Yes, Julia Roberts's niece. Yeah, something like that, something right? Like that. Um, but I kept thinking when we were watching this movie. Remember that movie we saw, her Little Italy? Brother's daughter. I forget the guy's name. He was in The Dark Knight. In Eric Roberts. Yeah, Eric Roberts's daughter, I believe. Yeah. yeah. Do you remember that movie, Little Italy? Oh, yeah. I love it. That was another one we got from How Did This Get Made. It was so funny. That was a horrible movie. Starring Hayden Christensen and and Emma Emma Roberts. Roberts. (laughs) That that movie was bad. I mean, it was so bad that like it That was hilarious. I loved it. It almost wasn't so bad it was good. No, it was so bad it's good. It's great. It's a classic for me. Um, This movie had the exact same tone as far as I was concerned. It's like shot in like a fake location that doesn't make sense. What, New York City? What are you talking about? No, no, uh, Little Italy. Oh, I see. You're talking about Little Italy. Um, <laughs> well, no, the Toronto. That, it was Toronto's Little Italy. Yeah. That, it's, it's it's a Canadian Little Italy. <laughs> I, I, I know. I know. The script was bad. The acting was bad. It was financed was by, terrible. like, the Canadian filmmaking, you know, fund or whatever. Right. But clearly, like, a B movie, maybe a C movie. Right. I don't know. And and Madam Web had, like, the exact same mm-hmm. feeling. Oh, 100%. That's a good comparison. Um. um What's to say about this movie? I mean, like, <laughs> we've said it's so bad, it's good. We laughed a lot. It's really, it is bad. As a Spider-Man movie, I mean, first of all, you shouldn't be making a movie about Madame Web. It makes no sense. I mean, It on. makes no sense, no. Madame Web's not supposed to have a backstory. She's supposed to be, like, a mystical character, like... If Disney, full, if Disney fully controlled Spider-Man, which they don't yet, they're sort of in cooperation with Sony, at least when it comes to the Tom Holland stuff, you would have Madame Web as this, like background multiversial character that is maybe like Doctor Strange discovers her somewhere. You know what I mean? She's in like the she Secret can, Wars. She like, do cameos and a bunch of other stuff. That would be cool. Right. She exists. She lives in the nether world, in, you know, in the space beyond 
time and space. Yeah. Uh, you know, the nexus of time or something. Like she lives in like another dimension, <laughs> in the web dimension. Right. You don't have to think about how Madame Web eats and goes to the bathroom. And right. Stuff. Or where she comes from or what her origin story is. She's not supposed to be like a practical human. And she's there to, ser- to service Spider-Man stories. Like she exists to, as we saw in the cartoon, which I enjoyed the... The Joan Lee version, Stanley's wife. Oh, I did too. She, I, I mean, she was one of my favorite characters, like side characters yes. in that cartoon. It was like always fun to see her pop up in there. I'm sure we talked about it a lot when we covered the Spider-Man. Yeah, of course. Series. Yeah, she was a great storytelling device. Exactly, she's a storytelling device. Yeah, and That's her role. Yes, and she links the Spider-Man throughout the multiverses. And uh, so maybe Sony was thinking like, oh, Marvel's doing a bunch of multiverse stuff. Madam Web is a multiversal character. This is how we're going to bridge. Because I know there's some talk that they were going to have, like, this is the prequel to Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man. And they, they didn't really, like, get into the multiverse in this movie. No, not at all. At and they, all. they kind of, like, they uh, uh, removed all references to Spider-Man, to, like, direct references to him. Right. They hinted so Uncle weird. Ben and, uh, you know, his sister or whatever, his brother. And, and yet there's a group of people in the Amazon that are like natural Spider-Men. Yeah, this is insane. That was insane. <laughs> yeah, there's natural Spider-Men in the Amazon, a Spider-Man society. There's also like an evil Spider-Man that's roaming around in a sp- dark Spider-Man costume with Spider-Man's power. I mean, it's just like to to have this be the backstory of Spider-Man in general is nuts and uh, insulting to, you know, if you were going to take the story of Spider-Man seriously, which this story does not in any way, but... I just, the whole thing with Spider-Man is that he's bitten by a radioactive spider, and right. yet there's this whole species of spider that lives in the Amazon Yeah, that does the same thing without being radioactive and has, like, similar results on, like, a whole... And they've been doing it for thousands of years. Society. Yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> I mean, again, we shouldn't spend too long on Madden Web, because you could really go down a rabbit hole of <laughs> everything wrong about it. The last thing I want to say regarding to, is it misogynistic to dislike this movie? Um, I think it can be for some people mm-hmm. if you're just outright against stories about women, you know, women being the center of a story, especially if it's in the context of like a superhero thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I think there's people out there who have that point of view and they're stupid. Uh, but I think to me, it's not misogynistic to criticize the movie. I think it's sad. Oh, yeah, it's a bad movie. Yeah, <laughs> it's sad that they didn't give these women a better movie to make. And that's the problem with it. It's like, I, as much as we it just expressed that, you probably shouldn't do a Madam Web movie. It doesn't make sense with who the character is. Mm-hmm. It doesn't also preclude the possibility that you could make it good. Mm-hmm. That there could be an interesting hook or an idea or to tell some kind of crazy story about where Madam Web comes from, who she is, the type of people she meets and interacts with. That's all... It, it was entirely possible for that uh, reality to exist, too. And Sony just gave, like, a... To me, it just... The movie overall smacks of them. We have to put out as much Spider-Man content as possible, doesn't matter what it is, so we could preserve the intellectual copyright that they hold. I mean, their deal is that they have to make some kind of new Spider-Man movie every three to five years, or else the, mites, the rights revert back to Marvel. Mm-hmm. And they don't want that to happen. So... Hence Madam Web, hence Venom 2, Let There Be Carnage, hence Craven the Hunter, yeah. hence the third Venom movie they plan to make. I mean, it's just like a, they're doing a bunch of garbage that actual Spider-Man fans are not invested in in a way because it these stories should all involve Spider-Man. Right. <laughs> and as someone could say, oh, that's misogynistic. Spider-Man has to be in all these movies. Like, kind of. It's, it's the world of He's Spider-Man. The star. These are the yeah. character. Like, these characters are strengthened by their relation to Spider-Man. 
Um, that's where they're born from, and that's like what makes them interesting. When you divorce Spider-Man out of the equation, it's uh, Morbius Two is another example. Like yeah. it's just not going to be as interesting, right? I mean, it's not because Spider-Man is a man; it, it's no. because he's the main character of all these stories. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's cool to see. It would be cool to see Spider-Man go up against Morbius in the movie, or against Craven. And you can or meet Madam Web. Like, yeah, maybe you do flip it, and like it's from the villain's point of view, so it's still a Morbius movie or a Venom movie or whatever. And right. See yeah. The side of it or something like there are twists on it that you could do. They just but can't. The characters do make more sense in the context of Spider-Man. They've put themselves in a weird bind because they've, in a way, they've admitted defeat on the mainline Spider-Man character. They said, "All right, Marvel, you handle him because you seem to know what you're doing." You can make a good Spider-Man movie. We can't do it. You know, we're just driving this thing into the ground. They're they're ruining the value of their property right that they hold. The more they try to make, a, you know, mainline Spider-Man stuff that's just like a failure, mm-hmm. then it becomes like diminishing. What's the point of them even holding on to the rights? So they knew they had to give Spider-Man over to Marvel, but they're still left in the position of needing to like hold on to this thing by any means possible. So it, it sucks. It's just all this corporate bullshit. Mm-hmm. That to me is the biggest offense about Madam Web from like a serious standpoint. From a non-serious standpoint, it's kind of fun. I wouldn't rush out to the movie to see it necessarily. Like that is not necessary. No, but when it becomes available for streaming widely or whatever, yeah. like it, it's fun. I mean, I guess it kind of makes me want to see Morbius because we skipped that one and, you know. I, I still don't want to see that one. <laughs> yeah, but it could be another one that's so bad it's good. I don't know. You're right. It, I'm not, I'm less interested in Morbius than I was. Madam Web was somehow just more, there was like, it was like a more jovial premise to me than Morbius. Like vampires, it's just, it's because you're Dakota Johnson's number one fan. That's yeah, I'm, I'm quickly rising up the ranks anyway. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Sonia, uh, let's move on to Batman here. We got two episodes to get through. Um, two really cool, interesting, unique Batman episodes. Uh, the first being Legends of the Dark Knight. And I was very excited to see this when we saw the screen cap of this episode where you saw like an old school Dick Sprang style Batman and Robin. Dick Sprang, a famous Batman uh, cartoonist from the 50s. Mm-hmm. Uh cartoonist artists from the comic books. Uh, you know, this is like the Batman Robin you'd recognize from the Adam West Batman intro, cartoon intro they have for that show with the right. Batman theme playing. Right. Um, Bruce, T- Bruce Tim uh, had the thought, which Grant Morrison had the thought too, that to many different people, Batman is many different things. He was watching Batman forever and he says, you know, there's so many different versions of Batman and they're all kind of valid and everyone has their favorite. So he wanted to sort of speak to that in this episode. I love this concept. I think it's so cool. Same. I love it. Grant, like I said before, I've said it many times on this podcast, Grant Morrison crystallized this idea that he holds all versions of Batman to be canon. And as an ex- a creative exercise, he tried to like make it all make sense. You know, <laughs> Adam West Batman, Sirius Dark Knight Returns Batman, you know, like everything in between. Right. And um, that's like a really fun idea. And, th- and this cartoon sort of like lightly gets into those themes. Um, so I'm loading up the notes here. Yeah. I mean, the other thing about that, with that Bruce Tim said was that he, he really tried to make sure that Frank Miller was like happy with the, right, the yeah. tribute to him. And he was apparently Frank Miller thought it was incredible. So like, that's pretty cool. Yeah. the It's like an anthology episode. There's essentially two major set pieces. They wanted there to be three. They wanted to do a Neil Adams tribute also. Oh yeah. That would have been amazing. But they said it was too difficult to animate. It was going to be too expensive. Yeah. So um, Neil of the, like the, Gone. Yeah, Neil Adams, the famous Batman artist from the 70s who kind of took Batman away from the Dick Sprang era of like colorful and sort of dopey looking to like a more naturalistic Batman. Uh, that would have been a Batman similar to the 
version, the mainstream Batman task version, because he's got like the blue cloak and the the gray outfit, mm-hmm. but it's just like a little more, like it, as we know in Batman tasks, like the facial, uh, they're like kind of blocky in a way, like the way people's faces look, mm-hmm. they're kind of flat and blocky. Neil Adams is more like um, the way they drew Wolverine in X-Men tasks, for instance. So they put some character into the faces and stuff. Mm-hmm. As an example, I mean, he also had like beautiful backgrounds and like more naturalistic settings, et cetera. So they couldn't do that though. They said that that animation would have been too challenging for what they were doing here. Right. The other thing that's interesting about like the different vignettes is that they have different actors playing. Like, oh yeah. The like Joker and Batman and Robin, like they're all different voices for the different vignettes. So right. it matches the style more closely. Right. So in the first vignette, which is like fifties Batman cartoon style, uh, you have Michael McKeon, who we know famously from Spinal Tap and like all those um, Christopher Guest movies. He's doing Joker. Mm-hmm. And a guy named Gary Owens, I don't, I'm not familiar with him. He's doing Batman in it. And uh, in the second vignette, it's uh, Michael Ironside's doing Batman as the Dark Knight. Mm-hmm. Um, there might be some other voices in there too, but I wonder, did Michael... I'm confused. I don't think Michael Ironside did the Dark Knight Returns cartoon movie that DC made a few years ago. I think that was another... I think that was the actor, the guy who did RoboCop... Famously, I think that actor's name is escaping me, mm. but they sound kind of similar in a way. Or anyway, um, this episode opens, it's Gotham City, and we're in like the regular like uh, Gotham we all know and love from the animated series. It's mm. not yet in some like strange, like alternate Batman reality. And there's a bunch of kids, they're all reading the Gotham Gazette in a, in a newspaper, and it's like a story about Batman. There's a mysterious arsonist on the loose, and uh, these kids are sort of like, talking about how much they love Batman and reflecting on like who they think Batman is. And they all sort of have their own take on it. That's the premise of the episode. Yeah, it's pretty cute. It's two boys and a girl. And one of the boys, he's he looks like the younger, like the littler one. He has a flashlight yeah. with like a Batman insignia on it. So it simulates <laughs> the bat signal. That's uh, It's a cute setup. Yeah, I mean, as we've discussed previously too, this is a Gotham City where Batman is kind of famous and they do sell merchandise of him. Which right. Is, so I could see how a kid could get a Batman flashlight. Uh, that, yeah, that kid, his name is Matt, and the, a trick they do is with two of these kids, they make them the Robins of the two vignettes. Mm-hmm. So Matt becomes like the Dick Sprang Robin, and this other girl, Carrie, becomes the Frank Miller Robin, the female Robin, Carrie Kelly, famously. And um, so... But the other yeah. kid, he doesn't get a vignette, but he he kind of starts like speculating about Batman. The older kid, his name is Nick. Right. He and- talks about how his favorite Batman is basically the movie Batmans of the 90s. A Batman who wears a rubber armor suit and his Batmobile can drive up the sides of buildings and things. Right, yeah. Which is fun. Yeah. And, oh no, wait, isn't that the other kid? The one that they run into later? It's like dressing the windows. Maybe, yeah. I, I think Nick is the one. He thinks Batman isn't human. Oh, He's right, some, yeah. Some, like, supernatural creature. Right, yeah. Yeah, there's another kid they meet that likes the Batman Forever Batman, or Batman and Robin Batman. Right. Um. Anyway, uh, the, the, the story goes on. This one kid, Matt, starts telling a story about how his uncle actually knows Batman. And he says, like... You know, Batman's actually a really nice guy. He's got a really funny sense of humor. <laughs> Him and Robin are really nice. Yeah, they're really nice people. And the kids are like, what? <laughs> nice. What are you talking about? And then uh, Matt begins to tell the story about how his uncle, who was a guard at the Walker Music Center, uh, you know, his one night interaction with Batman, Robin, and Joker. This setting is insane. The yeah. Walker Music Center, it's like a store of musical instruments, but all of the musical instruments are like gigantic sized. Yeah. <laughs> It's shit exactly out of a 50s Batman comic. Yeah. You know, it's really funny. It, I mean, it has a lot of homage to Adam West, too, in a way. But, you know, there are a lot, this is like the more surreal 
like comic book style that the Adam West show was pulling from. Right. And this is just like a, almost like a literal uh, vision of what a 1950s Batman comic come to life would look like. Yeah, you could like imagine the set that they would build for like a ridiculous storyline like this. So Matt launches into the story how his uncle was a security guard at this music store and the Joker broke in with like a couple of his goons um, and like gassed him and knocked him out or something like that. Yeah. Luckily, Batman and Robin uh, came to the scene of the crime before like the Joker could get away with all these valuable items from the store. I think it looks great. I love the style of Batman art. Yeah, the the Joker animation also, like the character yeah. design is really cool. The voice is really cool. Like you could tell right away listening to it that it isn't like his the normal Joker voice, the Mark Hamill. Yeah. Joker that we're used to hearing in the show. Again, the famous Michael McKean. Yeah. Who I think has done other voices on the show before, too. Uh, you know, there's a bunch of hijinks that play out. Uh, you got to watch it. It's, a, it's like just a lot of fun to see, like, a bunch of, like, musical gags they do. Like, at one point, Batman launches Robin from an oversized violin. Like, he, he pulls back the... The bow. The bow and, like, launches Robin on top he of it. He shoots it like a bow and arrow. Right. Uh, Is that, like, supposed to be a play on words? Yeah, I, mean, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> the major like There's lots of corny humor going on. Yeah, the major set piece of it is that Joker like ties up Batman and Robin and puts them into like the body of a piano. Yeah, and then Joker the piano is like literally the size of uh, like the Brooklyn Bridge or something. Yeah, it's like the size of a building. The Joker yeah. is like jumping on the keys, but each key is as large as his own body. So right. he's like marching and jumping back and forth and it causes like the insides of the piano to get to work. So it's basically, you know, like the, there's like a piece of the piano that drums down on the strings to make the noise. So Batman and Robin have to like roll around on yeah. the side of their <laughs> Roll Robin. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> uh, it was great. Uh, it was really a lot of fun. I think like the, the plies Joker's trying to steal like Something with Pagliacci, like the original music score or something about it. Mm. Uh, anyway, you know, they get out of it and uh, they catch Joker, a bunch of hijinks. Uh, there's a great moment where it ends up where Batman and Robin shake hands and Batman's like, great work, chum. Which old is chum. Old chum, which is you know directly from the comics of that time. Yeah. Uh, it, it's, again, worth watching 100%. I loved it. Uh, Matt's uncle recovers. He thanks his heroes for their help and... Uh, then the kids, like, go along on their merry way. Right. Uh, the other kids, the now back to reality, Nick and Carrie think this is the stupidest story they ever heard. <laughs> this does not capture, like, who Batman is in reality whatsoever. Uh, then Carrie uh, g- goes and, well, this is where they meet the other kid that talks about how he likes the rubber Batman right. from the movies. But then uh, Carrie uh, goes into her own story about Batman, and she's des- essentially just describes Frank Miller's uh, the Dark Knight Returns, or at least a portion of it anyway. Right, and she herself plays Robin. She's like, did you know Robin is actually a girl? Right, and Batman's <laughs> old. He's like 50. <laughs> um, this was awesome, too. It's the scene from Dark Knight Returns where Batman fights the mutant leader gang uh, in, like, the, the pits outside of Gotham, in, like some large mud pit. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, Batman drives up in his insane steampunk tank that's, again, like the size of a building. Uh you know, this is all faithfully done, too, in the Dark Knight Returns animated movies as well, which I'm sure a lot of everyone in our audience has seen. Mm. Uh, and, of course, all based on the classic comic book from the 80s. Right. He fight- The main thing is, like, he fights against the leader, like, the, the mutant leader. Right. You know, this, like, big gray monster yeah. guy with, like, pointy nipples. He does the classic line. <laughs> like belt. He's like, this is my operating table, and I'm the surgeon. Right. You know, beating the shit I'm out of him. in a mud pit. Right. Uh... 
I think it looks amazing. I mean, like the the way they draw it, like it is a bit exaggerated. Uh, I think the Dark Knight Returns cartoon movie is a little bit more love was poured into it just because like that's what the whole point of that movie was. Like, so the animation is a little slicker. Mm-hmm. Here it's like a little, you know, they get the details right. Like yeah. it, it looks it looks like the Dark Knight Returns come to life. Frank Miller was very happy with the result as well. Apparently, according to the trivia notes, he was raving about it to Bruce Tim. He was very impressed with the way it came out. Mm-hmm. Um I thought it was great, too. I mean, it's been a while since I've seen the Dark Knight Returns animated movie, which is really good. Mm-hmm. My only wish for that, I did wish they got Kevin Conroy to do the animated uh, Dark Knight Returns movie. I thought that would have been nice, a nice twist. Because in my mind, because it, it's similar, there's something about the Dark Knight Returns, because it's like the final Batman story in many ways. Like, Batman comes out of retirement, he's old for one last thing, and he, he like, has to fight and kill his enemies, you know? But I feel like they wanted a gruffer voice yeah. than Kevin Conroy. It's not, it, it is, yeah, you're right. Yeah, but I'm just saying, like, I could have always seen in my mind, too, that the Dark Knight Returns cartoon movie could have been the unofficial, quote-unquote, conclusion to Batman the animated series as yeah. well. Yeah, And I, that's why I always wanted Kevin Conroy to do the voice for it. Uh, you know, they went in another direction. It's totally fine. And here, too, it's like they didn't have Kevin Conroy do this version of Batman against Michael Ironsides. And Michael Ironsides does a good job. Um, yeah. I mean, again, I think they wanted to just, like, differentiate the different versions as yeah. as clearly and concisely as right. they could. They're not saying I like this is canon. It was interesting. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, you get your Dark Knight Returns, like, love fest here. Uh you know, you, just a glimmer of the story anyway. You know, like the fight, the scene where he fights the mutants. I do love, Carrie Kelly is always one of my favorite versions of Robin as well, too. I love seeing her. Mm-hmm. I think it's like a cool idea for a character as well. Uh, her whole backstory in the comic books is really interesting. Like her parents are, like Frank Miller is kind of like a weird conservative edgelord kind of guy. And he makes her parents out to be like these villainous, like ex-hippies that are now yuppies. <laughs> and they all they do is like complain uh about conservative politicians on TV and smoke pot while Gotham is quote unquote going to hell. Uh. I think it's just like a funny satire going on. Um, anyway, I like this version of Robin. Um, and so you see the Dark Knight Returns and then it all leads up to like, now we're snap back into reality and uh, the kids are sort of stumbling around Gotham City late night and they come across uh, Pyro, not Pyro. <laughs> Firefly. Firefly, I'm thinking too much of the uh, Deadpool Wolverine movie. <laughs> uh, yeah, Firefly, he's burning down some like Gotham theater for insurance money. He's a goon for hire. Uh, the kids are trapped uh, with Firefly in this burning building. He's like, sorry, kids. It's like, I hope you like it hot. Bad luck for you. But Batman comes in and starts fighting Firefly, saves them. And uh, Batman's a little surprised that Firefly is doing like a job just for insurance money. Right. He's yeah. the chemicals are expensive, Batman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I didn't think we were going to see Firefly again, but this was a good like cameo. Yeah. And, and this version of, this is the Kevin Conroy Batman. He does, he has elements of both the previous two Batmans we saw. Right. He's sort of like dark and uh, violent and menacing, but he also, he has his little gadgets and he has a little, like a uh, lightness to him at right. times too. And he saves the kids. And as they're like getting away from the burning building, they're commenting on that. Like each of them thinks that their version is the right version of right. Batman. Yes. Uh, great episode. Great episode. I think it's a 10. I think you got to give it a 10. 10 out of 10. Just for ambition, creativity, just Bruce Tim, the idea of him just like tr- willing to experiment and do different things for the animated series. And the execution of it, I thought it was great too. A hundred percent. It was great. Yeah. It's fun. Uh, I was, I'd never seen this episode and it was a delight to experience for the first time. So, and that leads us to episode 20, Girls Night Out, which I think I liked more than you. I didn't like this one too much. Uh, this episode, <laughs> <laughs> it's a crossover episode, which again is different from Batman the Animated Series. This yeah. features characters from the Superman animated series, which again, we hope to do one day. Uh, and namely features Supergirl. 
Mm-hmm. We do get a brief image of Superman on like a TV screen at one point, which to me was kind of shocking in general, just to see an image of Superman in the Batman animated series. This is like, I don't think it had been done up to this point. Right. But this was like, chronologically, this was after Batman and Superman had met in the Superman show. Yes. And, and like established yes. um, that Supergirl and Batgirl were friends. They're both like 20 year old young women. I th- I'm not quite sure if it's been established that they're friends yet. It, or that they know each other or have it's, met or something. It's been established that Batman and Superman know who each other are. Uh-huh. And that they're allies. I don't know. If, I think this is Batgirl and Supergirl meeting for the first time. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh. I think where I confused you when I wrote my notes is that it's been established that uh, both Batgirl and Supergirl are 20 years old. Oh, oh. I thought yeah. it was established that they knew each other. Okay. No, not Fine. quite. But now they get to be best friends. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um... This one opens up with a prison truck from Metropolis leaving Gotham City or entering Gotham City, and the prisoner is Livewire, who is voiced by Lori Petty. I like her voice. I like Lori Petty's voice too. She's great. Yeah, She's a great actor, great voice actor. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I loved her from A League of Their Own. You know, she plays. Um, is the is she Dot or is she? I think she's Kit. Kit. Yeah, her sister is Dot, played by Gina Davis. Uh-huh. Uh, Lori Petty is a is a live wire. She's a firecracker. <laughs> she, you know, she, this character was established on the Superman animated series. I think in the, you know, if I remember correctly, live wire in the animated show is like, she's like some obnoxious MTV DJ or VJ, or she has a radio show or something. And she hates Superman. Like she does a lot of anti-Superman propaganda on her radio show. Hmm. She's got like elements of Howard Stern to her as well too. And something happens to her where she gets electricity powers and is radically transformed. And she almost kills Superman. Uh, in that show. Mm-hmm. Worth mentioning, too, that the Superman animated series version of Superman is not the invincible super god as he is in other iterations of media, like whatever he might be. Like, he's kind of, he can kind of get beat up a little bit, and there's like limitations to what Superman can do. Like, fa- like for instance, in my version, in my headcan of Superman, he could just fly into outer space and be fine, right? And mm-hmm. that, in the animated series show, he has to wear a spacesuit with a helmet because he needs to breathe, mm. is, is well, an example. Because you're operating under the assumption that all iterations of Superman are valid, and this show yeah. is trying to like <laughs> make him a little bit more human yes. and like not quite as invincible, yeah. so that it's more, there's more like drama to his right. fights and struggles. Absolutely. We'll have a lot to say about that. Uh, if and when, you know, we ever get to, hopefully we will do get to Superman one day. Like, yeah. we'll have lots to say about, like, what version of Superman is best. I mean, really, I think we should do Superman, Sonia, to, to try to pitch you on it now. I mean, that Superman Legacy movie's coming out in a couple of years. <laughs> Superman's going to be really in the news. Like That's they what ju- we're waiting for. Well, I'm just saying, it's, like, much okay. like X-Men. It's like Superman's on the rise, too. I mean, I've said it a lot of times. I'm not—Superman is just not my hero. But, I mean, if this show's really that good— you did watch, so I watched the entire Superman animated series from beginning to end a couple of years ago in, yeah, in our downtime, and you did watch a few of those episodes, and you really enjoyed it. I, I think you had very good reactions. Mm-hmm. So um, I think you would like the show. I mean, it's, it's made with just as much creativity as uh, Batman in the animated series. It's really well done. Okay. So all right. one day, you know. Um, all right. So anyway, Livewire is being transferred to Gotham. And wouldn't you know it, she breaks out of the truck and she gets away. She just has to get, like, a little whiff of electricity from a downed power line, and then she's off to the races. She can, like, transform her entire body into electricity and move about at will. She's like Electro from the Amazing Spider-Man 2 movie, the Jamie Foxx version. Yeah. Like she's an incre- incredibly overpowered electricity person. Mm-hmm. Batman's out of town, yeah. <laughs> as we see on... Batgirl's just, like, driving the Batmobile around, and she has, like, a video call from him. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, oh, Sonya's adjusting her mic. I'm sorry. Oh. <laughs> yeah, a uh, Batman. Been sorry. <laughs> yes. Yeah, bat, yeah. Her microphone was dripping. Um, Batman is, uh, tells Batgirl that he's not going to be around for 48 hours, so the city is yours. Right. And I like seeing again. This is the second time we're seeing Batgirl just drive the Batmobile, and uh, I like that. I like that he trusts her to just drive the Batmobile around. He's not. He doesn't have some sort of like machismo like attitude about his car that only he's allowed to drive it. Because I feel like that's a, like a joke they play up in the movies or something that Robin is not allowed to actually drive the Batmobile. But um, so I, I don't know. I like them just sort of saying, eh, fuck it, let Batgirl drive the car around. It's fine. Yeah, it's cool. Um, and then Batman also calls, uh, tries to call Superman to get him to assist Batgirl with Livewire's recapture because it's like all over the news that she's gotten out. Right. And Bat, uh, sorry, Supergirl, I mean, answers the phone. And apparently Superman is also out of town for the weekend. We don't know where to. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Supergirl decides to take it upon herself. She flies over to Metropolis to help Batgirl capture Livewire. Right. They establish a Supergirl, uh, again, a character established in the Superman show. She's like really bored because Superman kind of grounds her in a weird way. Like he wants her to, to grow up as like a regular teenage girl or a young woman or something and have learn what it's like to be an earthling. So she reveals later that she lives on a farm and she has a lot of chores to do all the time and it drives her crazy because she just wants to be where the action is. Mm -hmm. And uh, this was a theme too in the animated series as well that like, it's like, you know, they they had to figure out a reason like why Supergirl's not around too to help Superman constantly. Mm -hmm. And it's because he he didn't, he says like, you have to be like me where I was raised by Ma and Pa Kent and I, you know, like learned what it was like to be a regular human being. Like you have to just- connect to humanity more. Right. Oh, Okay. So, but this is an opportunity for her to like spring into action and do something fun, right? So, meanwhile, Batgirl is in the Batmobile. Livewire is like supercharging the car. Batgirl like ejects herself out of there to save herself. There's like a little bit of a fight going on there, but like Batgirl is getting her butt kicked yeah. by Livewire like easily. She is like by you know sheer luck surviving all these encounters, like because Livewire well, she's kill like, her instantly fast at dodging and stuff. Like yeah, that, yeah. Know? Um, but Supergirl like swoops in and saves her and flies her away. Livewire follows them. There's a little bit of like a fight going on in between them. And then Livewire is far away from any electricity sources. So she kind of runs out of power and just kind of like beams herself out of there. Right. Uh, you know, they meet uh, Harvey Bullock who kind of like yells at them for letting her get away. And, and he's like, I never thought I'd say this, but where's Batman? <laughs> right, yeah. He wants an adult in the room. And right. Batgirl's like, nope. <laughs> they take great offense to that. Uh, he c- calls them amateurs. Uh, anyway, like, Supergirl's mad, but Batgirl's like, don't worry, we could, like, get Livewire ourselves. We don't need help from anybody. And now cut to a defunct zoo uh, where living there is Poison Ivy and Harley Quinn. You know, I feel like... The last time we saw Poison Ivy was mentioned in the trivia notes, which we go off a lot from these websites, that Poison Ivy was never to be seen again in the Batman animated series. But here she is, and I'm glad to see her. She's back. Maybe they just meant it's a, it's, this is not, like, the mainstream version from season two is gone. Mm. This is like, because she is redesigned, she looks a little different. Mm-hmm. Uh, but she's back with Harley, they're living together. <laughs> again, it's like, it's like, it is amazing how much... Like the seeds of the Harley Quinn show already Just existed. Pop up like over and over Batman again. Batman Tass, yeah, originally uh, 15 years earlier. Right. So, anyway, Harley wants to go out on the town because she's bored. She wants to have fun. And Ivy's like, no, we got to lay low. 
uh, you know, we can't let Batman know where we are. We're in trouble or something. He says, we have to figure out, we'll need an edge to face down Batman the next time we see him. And then Livewire appears out of their toaster with a spark of electricity. (laughs) And she's like, here's your edge. Let's go. Right. And so then they they team up as a super group and they, you know, they want to rob the mall. And uh, they head down there. Um. They keep showing how Harley is, like, not the smartest. She just yeah. has this huge wooden mallet that she tries to use to, like, break into the mall. And then she uses it again later. She tries to get cash out of an ATM by just, like, smacking it. Yeah. And that, that one does work eventually. But the no, other— it doesn't. It's Livewire that does it. No, Livewire does the first ATM. Harley gets the second ATM. Oh, oh, yeah, there's a second yeah. one, too. But, yeah, I mean, it, it is, there's, like, an element of, like, Poison Ivy and Livewire kind of looking down at Harley a little bit. And you think maybe that'll come into play as a plot point, but not doesn't it really doesn't happen. It doesn't really. No, it's just, like, a little bit of an antagonistic relationship between Livewire and Harley in particular. Yeah. Um, but they, like, go to the mall. They do the mischief. Right. They, they you know, Poison Ivy incapacitates a guard with her poison kiss. Mm-hmm. She sort of just touches her own lips and puts her fingers on his lips. She doesn't actually kiss him. Uh, you know, but then uh, Batgirl and Supergirl show up. Uh, they deal with Livewire. Uh, Batgirl covers her with... Um, it's a silicate dust, yeah. which I think just means it's rock dust. Yeah. Well, anyway. <laughs> I, I don't know. I wouldn't understand the science. <laughs> uh, they say that it's it's like... Uh, I guess it's like a super insulator or something. Right. Like electricity can't be conducted through it. Right. So she becomes totally incapacitated. Uh, but Harley and Ivy... You know, they managed to put up a fight. Ivy's using her insane plant powers to, like, tie up Supergirl. Uh, You know, eventually Supergirl gets out of these plants that are, like, crushing her down by spinning really fast and blowing them away. Mm -hmm. You just kind of wonder. Again, it's a problem you might have watching the Superman show in general, too. Like, eventually Superman realizes, like, wait, I am super strong. I can just Yeah, I I was, like, mentioning that throughout because, like, there's a whole scene where Ivy is making, like, these animal forms out of out of vines so they're in the form of like elephants and lions and stuff and they're attacking and like they actually like put up a fight against supergirl which makes no sense she's supposed to be so strong she's inexperienced i think is part of it okay she doesn't get out to fight them you know i'm just trying to like yeah explain away like how supergirl because it's the same i mean it is the same problem you always have with any superman story is like how is he gonna lose right so yeah yeah, yeah. they you know they have so you know there's some light comic mischief is basically the answer to that question uh you know the girls manage to get away from the other girls and uh you know like um we see supergirl you know she ends up using her heat vision at some point like she has all of superman's powers too right and there is a scene where Harley, like, catapults, like, a a boxing glove sort of thing at her that, like, she yeah. uses it on Batgirl, like, we see that first, and right. it, like, knocks her back, it, like, knocks the wind out of her. Mm-hmm. And then when she uses it on Batgirl, it just, like, bounces off you her. You mean Supergirl? I mean Supergirl. Yeah. Sorry. That's kind of satisfying. Yeah, she's invincibly unharmed. It, it doesn't, like, bother her at all. Right. Uh, they're eventually defeated because Poison Ivy releases some kind of poison gas and traps Batgirl that... Uh, she claims is fatal. Mm-hmm. So uh, Supergirl has to fly her away to safety and like get her some help. And then we see like we're now at Barbara's apartment and she's got like a ventilator on, but she seems really happy and totally fine. Mm-hmm. And they're like, they're talking about their lives and, you know, discussing like who they are and what they do. And uh, Barbara explains that like, she actually works for the police force as like some sort of technical assistant. And that's how she has access to the police database, which she hacks into, which she says, Oh, don't tell my dad who is commissioner Gordon. Right. And, um, 
uh, Kara's like impressed by uh, Barbara's. She's like, your life is so cool. She's like admiring Batgirl's like cosmopolitan life and right. apartment and everything. And then like Batgirl does the other side of it. She's like, oh, you live out in the country and you have fresh air and peace and sunshine. Right. And, you know, so, the, you know, they come around to like a grass is greener sort you of know, thing. Barbara yeah. doesn't have to be Batgirl. She doesn't have to live in Gotham. She could. It's it's weird how Barbara's kind of like, oh, I wish I just had. This, like the country life you had and didn't have to deal with the city. Right. It's like, well, nothing is actually making you do this. Right. Uh, she also, I thought it was an interesting detail. She says that um, her job as working for the police department pays for her apartment, which again, it's like Batman is not paying for the lifestyles of his allies here. Because remember in the other episode, we discovered that uh, Dick, Dick Grayson yeah. living off of the stipend from the circus. Right. Yeah. You would think Batman would just set them up nicely. It's the least he could do in some way. I mean, we we speculated about this endlessly in the X-Men show of like what kind of credit Does card. Charles Xavier <laughs> like <laughs> just finance. Everybody's right. Everyone gets a gold card. You can go to the mall in New York City, have a night in the town, go to Broadway. He's a billionaire, you know, right. Like whatever you need. It's just on, on him. Like, or does he pay him a salary? Like we always, <laughs> we, we always speculate about the financial intricacies they're giving the us men in particular they're giving us answers here and uh, i guess they're trying to show that like these characters are kind of noble and they have their own dignity quote unquote and that that you know they don't rely on bruce wayne's largesse to live right but i think more realistically they would and they sh- and batman should pay for them you know right well the thing about the x-men is that like obviously none of them can hold a job you know like yeah they're well, busy all day <laughs> i know like it's confusing like Except wouldn't like, the X Men be as busy they're... as Batman though? You know what I mean? Like right, the level yeah. of busyness should be equivalent, but yet Batman and Superman have day jobs. That is true. I mean, the X Men could get some. It's like she has like a full time job, and then she's out fighting crime at night. Like, yeah. does she sleep? Right. Yeah. It's it's a little. I mean, the thing again, it's like if you want to give the show some credit, it's like she's not always being Batgirl. She's kind of. That's true. It's like when she's needed. Right. It's like a little bit of a gig for her. It, it, you know, and again, it's like, it's interesting how, how superhero stories approach these questions. Like, this is a big part of the Spider-Man story. It's right. his work-life balance. Like, right. it drives him crazy, and it's fun. Like, they get a lot of drama out of it. Mm-hmm. And in a show like this, it's like, it's just swept away as a stupid question of like, what is, how does Batgirl manage her life? It's like, eh, it doesn't matter. She's fine, you know? It's, yeah. not, it's not really a challenge for her. Well, they make it like a convenience even because they're showing that she has pol- like police yeah. database access right. as a result. It's so an, yeah, exactly. How convenient. All right. Um, a new scene we get. We're at the Iceberg Lounge again. Uh, Penguin. Right. Uh, Harley, Ivy, and Livewire all go. Um, and they cause like, you know, they're kind of in a celebratory mood and they're causing a lot of commotion there. And Penguin tries to throw them out. Again, this is like a different kind of Penguin where he's not quite the criminal that he was in the past. And he's like, I'm trying to run a legitimate business here. Right. And then they destroy his club and leave. And then Supergirl and Batgirl show up. And he like cooperates with Yeah, them. he's like, actually, I wish Superman and Batman were here. I, I need real help. You know, like he, he kind of like weirdly wants the help of some some authority figures. Uh but, he points them in the direction of uh, that abandoned zoo where they're hiding. Right. Um, so, you know, Batgirl and Supergirl are sneaking around outside the zoo. Uh, you know, Batgirl, ha- she says she now has a tank of the silicate dust on her to really, like, finish off live bar for good. Right. Her powers anyway. But Poison Ivy's, like, vines take it away from her very swiftly. <laughs> right. And also, like, her, her vine system, alarm system goes off so they know they're being watched. Right. So there's this is, like, the big fight at the end, basically, with, like, all the vine animals and stuff. And there's... Right. Like- I like this. Like, uh, Ivy, like, somehow gets an animal made of plants 
not an animal. She gets a bunch of plants to turn into the like a life-size elephant mm-hmm. that she rides around him that's got somehow his elephant strength and smashes Supergirl around. The same with the lions. It's interesting, like, towards the oh, yeah, end of the fight, too. one of the lions, like, catches on fire, and as it goes up in flames, it the the vines turn into, like, the likeness of the skeleton of the lion before right. it gets burned up completely. Like, the animation... You feel bad for the plants that get burned to death. Yeah, it's like a needless amount of detail, but it's appreciated. It's nice. <laughs> it's nice. It's a little disturbing, too. I felt bad for the plants. So, like, at some point, like, there's a big fire caused uh, from live Lyvar's powers, you know, inadvertently, and Harvey's plants catch on fire that leads... Not Harvey, Harvey's, I'm sorry. Ivy's plants catch on fire. It leads Ivy to, like, turn on some water to put the fire out. But that messes up live wire. And this is the... She, like, shorts out, basically. Right. These are the criminal's undoing. Um, Harley gets knocked out. I think she gets knocked out by her own boxing glove, as you mentioned before. This is when she bonk, tries to bonk Supergirl and it backfires on her. Uh-huh. Um, so they save the day. And then uh, later, uh, back at their at Barbara's apartment, they're hanging out and they're watching the news. And, uh, you know, Bullock is on TV saying, like, oh, a couple of rookies brought these supervillains down. Uh, and they're really taken aback. They're like, what? How dare he call us rookies? And he's like, but, you know, they show they show a little bit of promise. And then they, like, high five. And I was like, you know, you don't live for his approval. Yeah, it was really weird. And they're eating ice cream. And it's like, you know, they're slippers on slippers and bathrobe. It's a little insulting yeah but <laughs> there's some there's some misogyny going on in this episode but i don't I know it's like an interesting parallel to the madam web discussion right. <laughs> <laughs> an all-female cast yeah um i like this episode i don't know I, I enjoy the characters of supergirl i like the idea of a superman cartoon crossing over with batman and but doing a little twist on it but not just straight up having I, superman appear yeah i like the addition of the other characters it wasn't my favorite episode um it's like we talked about, there's a lot of episodes in season two, perhaps, where it felt like there's some underbaked storylines that had more potential if they were allowed to marinate more. For instance, the the friendship between Livewire, Ivy, and uh, Harley. Yeah. Because it seemed like there was some jealousy going on within the group or something. Like, it felt like they could have gone in some, dark, you know, deeper direction there. I don't know if it was jealousy, but, like, animosity for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, I... I don't like the plot point that they like went to the mall to rob it. Yeah, that's they a little gonna rob something. Yeah. Like, it would make more sense if they robbed a bank. Right, and there's you know? even a sequence where they show Livewire like trying on different dresses. Like they, they really, it's, when they get into like feminine kind of ideas in the Batman show, they they really strike out a lot of the times yeah. with the female villains. I mean, they they've had some strong female villain episodes for sure, though. Too. I mean, there's many Poison Ivy ep- episodes which are great. In general, I like the team up between Harley and Ivy. Yeah, I mean, not just because it's a precursor to like the. The modern cartoon, show, yeah, but just like that's usually a fun time. Yeah, this is like a a weaker team up of them for yeah, sure. Definitely not so great. But I don't know. I, again, I like it. It's for still, me, this was like a seven out of ten. It's not like a don't watch. It yeah. wasn't like horrible or anything like that. Um, if you haven't seen it in a while, it might be worth a rewatch. Just you know, I think you can't. I think you shouldn't skip it. I, I think it's must watching if you're also going to watch the Superman cartoon as well, too. Mm-hmm. You got to see how it all connects. Uh, I enjoyed it. I give it like an eight and a half out of ten. Mm, okay. I think I do think the, the writing was a little circumspect at times. Mm-hmm. Uh, that said, um, enjoyable couple episodes of Batman. Insane that we're now less than a month away till X-Men 97. Mm-hmm. I think we if we keep up with the two a week, we'll have one week before X-Men 97 premieres to perhaps... Where it's just one episode, right? The last episode will be on its own? No, I, I think it will we'll have a choice. <laughs> oh, okay. We'll be either to like to do the the last episode of Batman by itself or we'll 
bunch it up with the second to last episode, and then we'll have one week, maybe to just like a preview X Men week before X Men ninety seven. We'll see. Okay. We'll see how it goes. We'll um, you know, I, I, I would maybe like to see if we can get some kind of X Men uh, preparation. Uh, we thought we'd have so much more time. We were going to do like some massive like rewatch maybe and like do season reviews of you know each week we'd watch a new season and just sort of like give a, like a you know summary updated take. opinion right yeah but I, unfortunately there's not enough time for it they yeah. well luckily there's a whole back catalog if you feel like yes. shooting up on any of those episodes i was i went go way back i went back and i listened to a few of our old ones from season one and not saying we sound necessarily any better now but we did shockingly sound so much greener as podcasters and uh just like younger sounding in so many ways too it's like shocking yes we were young once we are young so like if you go back and listen to those old episodes cut us some slack we are very new to broadcasting and uh and getting our our takes across but i don't know they they hold up in a very there there's something uh Earnest about them. That's that's. Pleasing. I mean, the X Men show holds up. So yes. hopefully Yeah. That's enough to carry it. Yes. Else. All right. Have we said enough? I think we have for this <laughs> week. So again, thank you to everyone who donated to us in the first week. We truly appreciate it and love you guys and everyone else too. Um, Sonia, until next week. Good night. Good night.